Sports are such a big part of all of our lives. From the big plays to the unforgettable games, they continue to inspire us in unimaginable ways. But what happens to the athletes, the warriors, and heroes of our time when the game is finally over and the sport they love and work their entire lives pursuing greatness at continues on without them? How do they cope with the transition? How do they find purpose, reclaim their identity, and work towards a vision of the future? As a former professional athlete, playing in the NFL for eight seasons, I know the unique challenges that these athletes face. On this podcast, these athletes will share their stories and how they navigate life beyond the game. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another Life Beyond the Game podcast. Got a really special guest for you today. Connected with this guy a couple months ago. Um, his name is Daniel Griggs, and thought he had a really fascinating story. Um, you know, I've had a lot of different guests on this podcast. Uh, guys, top picks in the draft, uh, first rounders in the NFL. Uh, I've had fighters. Uh, I've had guys that were free agents. Uh, just a wide variety of different stories on how they made it and how they transitioned out. And Daniel's story is is really fascinating. He's um, he was a D3 player who um, he shares a little bit about his journey, but it was a really challenging one to get an opportunity to play the NFL. And, you know, his story is one of kind of failure and how he handled it and the lessons that failure and challenge and adversity and how those lessons have, he's, you know, turned them into fuel to achieve greatness and success in, um, his new journey in life, which is an entrepreneur, he owns his own tech company where he creates uh, apps and different technology for companies where he started out just building websites. And it's just a really fascinating story how he worked really diligently to try and get an opportunity to make it in the league and how he blew it, blew that one shot. Um, I'll let him share his story. I really hope you get a lot out of this conversation, just like I did. Hope you enjoy All right, Daniel. What's up, man? Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, man. Thanks for thanks a lot for letting me letting me be on. Excited about. Yeah, it. man. I'm stoked to uh, talk about uh, your journey a little bit. Um, you know, you we connected. I don't know a few months ago, and uh, you know, hearing your story is really really unique. But I think it's really cool because I'm bringing on guys with a lot of different stories, from like top draft picks to, to free agent guys to guys that you know had a cup of coffee in the league and, you know, but this, this podcast really focused on the transition, right. And, yeah. and what we go through in our career and the lessons we learn and then transitioning out. So why don't you just introduce yourself and then kind of take, take us through a little bit about background on your, on your NFL career, your football career, your collegiate career, how you started playing and then we'll kind of dive in. Yeah, most definitely. So I kind of introduced the, the current Griggs right now, which is um, I run a tech company here in a tech agency here in Austin um, and now we predominantly focus on creating uh, our own products, different apps and websites that cater to the economy. We like to focus on things that are either going to be uh, very industry disrupting uh, or something that really has a big purpose. Uh, it's going to help a community, a community, a group of people or something like that. Um, so those are things we like to focus on. Um, I'm, I'm very unorthodox, should I say, when it comes to the typical person in tech. 
um, predominantly because of my background. I didn't grow up like I did grow up kind of like liking websites and things like that, but um, kind of diving into just like my my sports career. Uh, I come from a small town in, in Van Blake, Texas. Uh, it's about southeast Texas, about an hour south of Houston. Um, I went and played college football at McMurray University, which is a Division three school in Abilene, Texas. And so um, I did football and did track. Um, my sports career was – I'm huge on sports. I'm huge just honestly on uh, athletics and competing and things like that. I really – if you kind of read back on like long ago times, just like the athletes were just viewed and really in a way that they're viewed right now. Um, but I just love the, the, I love to be, I love to compete right from physical, mental part and all of that. And so anyway, I went to college, did football and track. When I went in, I was, I was a little bitty thing. I was like 150 pounds soaking wet. And so, um, Quite fast though, huh? Yeah, I was. I was really fast. What was your, what did you run in track? What was your, what was your best, best event? I ran a 400 and in college I did the 400 and a mile relay. Uh, nice. In high school I did all, all, all types of sprints and jumps, but in college I focused on the 400 um, and a mile relay, which I love. I love track. Um, yeah. I just love running fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what was the fastest you've run a uh, 400 in? My fastest 400, I never got below a 47. Okay. So I'm not really, I don't really know what to relate that to because I'm not super familiar. What's like a super amazing time? That's fast, but it's not like, I put it like that. That's fast. But yeah. when you're talking about Olympic guys and some of the top level guys, those guys are running like 44s, 45s. I remember my first track meet in college, it was an indoor track meet. And I forgot, the, I forget the guy's name, but he was running like a 45 indoor in an open court. Wow. Yeah, and he was right behind me. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to worry about him. I just let him go. I'm going to focus on the other six, seven people on the track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He blew right by, huh? Exactly. But um, I did football and track. Um, even my journey through college before I, you know, went on my journey to go into NFL, um, I kind of ran across things. Of course, I was very athletic, but I was so small. I was actually about to quit my freshman year. Um, I remember, I remember like yesterday, it was guys, and I feel like everybody was so much bigger and stronger than me. And um, one of the top receivers named Dusty, he ran a slant, and I broke on it perfect. Jumped up to knock the ball down, and he like he caught the ball, then held it with one hand and stiff armed me to the ground. I just <laughs> I fell on the ground like I landed from the water. It was embarrassing, man. And I was just like, it's probably You're like I couldn't have played that any better, and exactly. he still caught it, and then embarrassed me. Exactly, and I'm like. I'm doing the best I can, you know? And so I honestly was about to quit. I was praying. I was just like, I don't think this is for me. And I was like, I'll give it one more shot. So um, I continued, but then I like, I got in a weight room like crazy because it was just my weakness. And so mm -hmm. I started lifting and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, long story short, throughout that time frame, uh, everything worked out. You know, I, I was I was really good cornerback, really good defensive back. Um, I, I was able to play safety and defensive back. I knew everything that was going out going on the football field. Um, really that weakness made me really lock in on all of my weaknesses and things that I didn't even know about. Um, I would watch film religiously. Um, I'm, I'm talking about watching the way receivers took a brand off the line, the way that they lined up. It was a run play or a pass play, trying to find, figure out all these little things as if I was a coach, you know, mm -hmm. uh, things that majority of players don't look at. Uh, but fact, go, going past that to my, my, my senior year, 
Um, I graduated from college. Now, mind you, again, I went to a Division three school. I played a very small school. We didn't win a single game my senior year. Um, oh, in that's college. tough. But I am a very – my family will attest to this and really anybody that knows me. I literally feel like I can do, I can do anything, even mm. before I get my mind put to it. I feel like I can mm. do anything. And so I was like, I got to plan. Where does that come from? Where does that come from, you think? Honestly, I don't <sighs> – I don't know. Maybe it probably comes from my parents. Maybe it's something that was instilled in me. I've always mm. been like that. I mean, when I was really, when I was younger, it was doing things to get in trouble. But <laughs> like, as I got older, I was able to shift that energy into, you know, doing things that won't get me in trouble. But I was always like that. When I say younger, doing things I'm talking about, I grew up in the country, man. So if it rained and the dishes would fill full of water, we would see if we can jump across the dishes and the dishes would be like, full of like right so things (laughs) like that and i'm like i can jump and i I failed on them but i would try again i'm just i don't know why i'm 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 kind of wired like that it's that competitive nature right and it's that trust that yeah because i feel the same way it's like i feel i feel like anything i put my mind to i'll figure it out and if i fail i'm gonna go learn from that failure and keep going and i think that's a big thing especially in athletics right and i I kind of want to go back to that moment when you kind of got beat and that was probably a, a, a probably a turning point in your football career where you realized, okay, if I'm going to show up, I'm going to have to do extra. I'm going to have yeah. to do more. I'm not going to just be able to show up and be good. And I think, you know, for maybe younger listeners that maybe are, are searching to kind of make it, you know, in the pros or in college, mm-hmm. what is the thing that you would give them that, you know, in that moment kind of changed everything? Like you said, you're watching more film, but like, what was the extra stuff? What was the mindset that you had to have when you, you know, made that shift and go out there and, and did find success? And when was the moment when you started seeing that translate to your skills on the field? So my mindset was really like, if I'm going to like, it was basically like, I'm going to give this one more shot and I'm going to do everything I can to put myself in a position to be successful in it. Right. If it works out great. If it doesn't, then, then it's not meant. I gave it my all. Right. Yeah. But that started with one thing, which is just my weakness that I knew. Like, I was a little guy. I was, I was 5'9", like 150, 155 pounds. And that's, I mean, there's some guys that go to college like that, right? All I had was speed and athleticism. But when I came against guys that had the same speed or the same athleticism, but they were stronger, right? They had those things more than me. And that's when I ran into issues. I mean, of course, we're talking about, like, my, my, my freshman year in college. And so I just started hitting weights. I didn't, I wasn't looking up YouTube videos. I wasn't searching stuff. I wasn't looking up what supplements to take and blah, blah, blah. I was just doing stuff I got from my coach in high school. I was doing five sets of five on the bench, but I was in the weight room. Like I wasn't traveling and playing. So I was in a weight room like five, six times a week by myself Mm. majority of the time. So it started with that one thing, but I got results from that one thing. So once I got those results, then it's a matter of, okay, I got results with this. Now I start paying attention to a whole bunch of other things. Then I start paying attention more to my technique. Then I start paying attention more to what these receivers are doing off the line, what other people on a football field on defense are doing. It's going to to help make me a better better player, a a smarter uh, cornerback versus just, you know, athletic and then yeah I've capitalized on one of my weaknesses and made it a strength so those mm. things like that so I mean guys that you know playing any sport you know on whatever level uh, for me 
it was something fortunate that I probably didn't look at as fortunate, but it ended up being fortunate, meaning, hey, this is a weakness and it's either like, I mean, it was literally like do or die. It's all in or it's all or nothing. And so that's what made the shift happen for me. For some people, they might not, may not be in that position. Some people may have success. And when you have success, you really don't pay attention as much to your weaknesses, right? If it's not broke, don't, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so that's a true statement, but that doesn't mean that there's not things that can continue to get better. Um, so for me, you know, I take that and in life and everything, I'm always paying attention to those things that are weaknesses and how I can strengthen those things. Um, and so did you find a pretty successful college career? Were you, was it ever a dream of yours to play in the NFL? I know a lot of players, like, it's like, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. But a lot of people aren't realistic. I know playing in a D3 school, was that something that was always a focus of yours? Or was it just like having a really good college career and then maybe talk a little bit about that journey? I never even thought about it until my senior year. I never thought about it until my senior year. We had so much stuff going on internally with coaches and types of stuff when I was there. Um, it was a lot of guys that didn't even want to play. And if I, was, I was a captain. And I remember a speech that I gave, and it just came off the top of my mind. And I was telling guys, you have to find something to play against, uh, to, play, to play for, should I say. Um, and this is a very, like, transparent uh, uh, chat that I gave. And I was like, look, some of y'all are like, I want to transfer out of here. Well, maybe you need film to give to wherever you're going to be going so they can see it. Maybe some of you guys just want to finish out your season, make it memorable for you, right? Whatever you believe in. At that point, this sounds crazy, but at that point, you almost had to become selfish in a way. And you had to play for yourself. But it was kind of like, <laughs> as long as you keep playing, you have to find something to play for. And so for me, um, when, when I was playing, especially my senior year, um, I'm, I'm a – Sometimes my goals are like massive. I won't say they're unrealistic, but they're realistic, but they're very massive. Um, I never go away from it. I can create a strategy. And I, I was, remember I was looking at the schedule and I was like, let me see how many times people throw to my side. It wasn't a lot, but I was like, I have, I was like, I have the ability to get at least two interceptions a game. <laughs> yeah. and that, dude, that was like 16 picks. <laughs> and of course it didn't happen. But at the same time, it made me one hell of a, like, ball. You know what I mean? Mm. So I set those goals as I was playing. But my senior year is when, really when I was like, I want to go play in the NFL. Not at the end of the season, but I would say about, like, honestly, mid-season. Um, I was just having a really good season. And, and some of it was really, I don't want to use the word naive, but some of it was ignorance, right? It was a good mm. ignorance. But what I mean by that is I wasn't looking at guys that went to – Oklahoma or University of Texas or A&M or Alabama and being like, I have no chance of, you know, getting a shot to even play or even being looked at when these guys are playing on TV every single week. They have combines, they have blah, blah, blah. I didn't even pay attention to that stuff. I was just like, I can go play in the NFL. I've got talent. I never even played against them. But for me, it was just like, I can do this. I have talent. So uh, after I got done, Really, I kind of went on this very, everything was very like all me. What I mean by that is I just put in 100% effort with everything. I figured out a lot of stuff, like an agent. What do I need an agent for? What do agents do? How do agents get paid? I didn't know any of this stuff. 
Um, I reached out to some people that I knew that played in the NFL that did that helped me out. Um, but really, I just went. I just went into man. Long story short, I called and I emailed every single NFL team myself. This is after your se- after your final season, and you weren't really getting any attention. We weren't getting any attention. At first, I started out doing just like CFL teams. So this is a thing that you don't let people do is put something in your mind when you already have something in mind. Even if it, even with the thought that you have, even though it seems crazy or it seems unrealistic or very low percentage, never let anyone else put anything in your mind. And what I mean by that is everyone was like, you should go play in the CFL or play on an arena team first just to show that you can play against these other guys. And so I started going predominantly after like CFL teams, et cetera, and getting looks. But then I was just like, it's a lot of these guys are the same guys. A lot of these guys went to the league and they're playing over here. So, you know, what am I doing? And so um, between that time when I graduated um, and I was reaching out, I remember uh, I actually went and played in Seattle on a, on a arena team uh, about a year later. I uh, signed and went and played out there and did really good just to stay, of course, stay active. And then I still did need to get some film, of course, me playing against people that wasn't playing on the the, the division level I played on. But I remember uh, my roommate, he was working with the Houston Texans. He played football with me too in college. And he called me and he was just like, man, you can play with these guys. He was like, you need to get to camp. And remind you, I stayed like an hour away from Houston. And I was like, I don't have any – numbers I said I got an email I said but I don't have any numbers and so he said email him and he said I'm gonna go to DB's coach office and I'm gonna call your phone I was like all right cool so he called my phone he's like you got it I said I got it (laughs) and I emailed inside job exactly right so I emailed and I called the defensive backs coach for the Houston Texans at that time I think it was Carr or something I forget his last name but I emailed and called him every single day for a week. And at the end of the week, he called me and he was just like, Griggs, this is coach so-and-so at the Houston Texans. He was like, man, you were one persistent guy and I like that. And we had like an hour conversation. At that time, they had like nine, 10 DBs in camp because they had guys hurt and extra. And he was like, honestly, I want to bring you in. He was like, but I can't. He was like, we stack with DBs and we even have more than we need and blah, blah, blah. Um, but he gave me some advice and he's like, keep doing what you're doing, et cetera. Uh, fast forward throughout arena. Um, I played in Seattle that first year, that, that, that one year, um, I did good. I, I really enjoyed that experience because I went up there, which the agent that I had knew the head coach. Well, that coach left and a new guy came in. So then at that point, no one knew me. Uh, and I went in and it was kind of one of those things to where they bring in a lot of people. So it looks good. Uh, and they were looking, they were just going to cut the guys, really, the majority of what they didn't know. And no one knew me, the coaches or anyone from, I'm talking about a blade of grass on an acre of land. Nobody knew anything about me. And so um, I remember we, I was like, they're going to do something, and I got to make sure I stand out. And the coach made us run 10 100-yard sprints the very first practice. And he said, I'm about to weed out the week. I came in, I was not, I came in first or second every single run and it hurt. Mm. But I was like, I have to make sure they keep their eyes on me because I know they want to cut me. They don't know anything about me. The first day we had practice and we was doing 
one-on-ones and I was locking down everybody. And I remember when they said, hey, let me get some starters out here. And the DB's coach, which I got a great relationship with him with, with, with now still, and he, he looked at – he already knew the guys, and he was like, let me get X, let me get Cap, let me get TJ. And he looked at me, and it was like two or three other guys, and he knew them. And he looked at me and was like, Griggs. But from then, of course, I locked, I locked the position down. It was a, it was a long season, but um, things like that was just – that goes back to that mindset. And I honestly feel that if I wasn't – you know, what happened my freshman year in college, if that doesn't take place, do I even still have that same mindset or that work ethic that I did at that point? Um, but I had a good enough season. I took that film. And now here we go when I talk about I emailed and called every single team in the NFL. I sat down. I had my, my oldest now, who's eight. He was like three months at the time. And I was doing athletic training. And I was at home with him while my wife was at work. And then I go train when she get back. So I was at home. I had my laptop. I visited every single NFL team, I figured out their emails. I was like, all right, let me figure out what the, you know, at DallasCowboys.net or something like that, right? And I was like, if I get a bounce back, then that's not it. But DB's coach, special teams coach, and player personnel, all three of those was going to get an email from me. I figured out the emails to majority of all of them. Oh, I think I, yeah, I figured out the emails to all of them. And uh, I sat down and emailed them all, but I checked out everybody's roster. I went and I looked at every single, like, who are the DBs you have? How tall are they? I wanted to see how fast these guys ran in a 40. And if they're, if they're like, what kind of DB are they? Are they cover guys? Are they like aggressive guys based on the defense that they play? Because when I sent out these emails and sent the information, I wanted to make sure that they can relate to it. And I would mention some guys like, I, you know, use these guys as a cover corner. That would be good. And, and, and some of them reply back and like, would talk to me and say, I can see you like a nickelback or, you know, outside cover guy, blah, blah, blah. And so um, I, I actually study and I sent those out so it can be like very relatable to, to them. Mind you, no, I had an agent, but I didn't have an agent. Mm. And it's funny because he told me, he was like, oh, I'm sending your stuff out to all teams. I hadn't got any buzz back. And, you know, hear, hear, hear me, I, I am again, right? The very confident guy. And I was like, it's bullshit. I know somebody yeah. be interested. And so uh, that's when I had started reaching out to all of them. And I got the, I was, I emailed, the, I was about to stop. I emailed them. How many hours did that take? How many hours did you put in for all of that research, <laughs> study, and reaching out? Because, like, this is great because a lot of people... And, I, don't put this kind of time and effort in, right? If they really want something. Yeah. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you. I wasn't even, I would put it like this. It took a whole week, but we're talking about from like morning to night. Yeah. All day, every day for a week. It was, it was, it was all day. I mean, when you're doing things like that and you're you're like, you're passionate, you're really going towards it. I'd have to think back on hours, but you don't even count the hours. You're just going until you get results, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so when did you first start getting some traction? I did. So I, I got some traction. I got um, – the first one was kind of embarrassing, but at least I heard back from them. <laughs> it was the Kansas City Chiefs. And only, because of this experience, I remember the player personnel at the time. It was, I think his name was Ray Former. I believe that was it. And I basically emailed down there everybody in the organization. 
<laughs> and he was like, Daniel. Even the ball boys. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the front office people, everybody. And he was like, Daniel, you know, while I commend your effort, he was like, it's really not the best look that you send an email out to basically every single person. The ticket office. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, Give me a doing? shot. Exactly. And he was like, what you're doing is good. You need to keep doing it. And he told me, he was like, this is what I would like to see from you. Right. But I mean, it got results, but it had made me understand who I need to reach out to um, later on. You know, I would get I would get replies back from the, the Carolina Panthers, the um, uh, Atlanta Falcons. I felt like I was really good fit for the Atlanta Falcons at the time because they had like I think it was Dante Robinson and some Robinson and some other guys. And I kind of fit that caliber of DB that they had. They never told me no. They never. What year was that? That was in 2012, maybe. Oh, yeah. I was there, son. <laughs> oh, really? So crazy. Yeah, that was so crazy. If you nice. Came out. Yeah, I, I was. But they never, they, he never told me no. He, he, yeah. he, he was like, not right now. He was like, thanks for sending information over, but not right now. So I will follow up with him, you know, periodically. But the guys that gave me, the ones that gave me a, a legit shot was, um, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets. I was actually about to stop sending stuff out because I was getting some replies back, not many. Um, didn't get any phone calls back, but I would get some email replies back. But everyone was like, no. And I was like, this is, I, I was like, I just want to stop. I'm not going to get anything from this. But I was like, let me finish because I said I'm going to finish doing it. And so the last, I think it was five, I think it was five more teams I had on my list all on this, I had a whole spiral full of notes and all types of stuff. And the Jets and the Jaguars was on that list. Um, and the Jaguars called me like 30, 45 minutes after I sent them an email. I seen on my phone, because I had my number on there, they didn't even email back. And I seen a number and it said Jacksonville, Florida. And I was like, this actually be the Jaguars? And so I answered it and it was the player personnel. And I was mm-hmm. like, whoa. And so... That, that's one of those things to where you you believe, but you just you just do it out of the fact that you just feel like something will happen. And when mm. it happens, I was so shocked and I was like, damn, am I really getting a call? And so anyway, I answered, he talked, and he was he was actually excited on a call. And he was like, I love what you're doing. And it, honestly, I think they gave me a shot because I mean, he liked my film and stuff, and he, and he picked it apart, but he liked my strengths. And um, I think a huge part of that was the fact that I was reaching out myself. Mm. The stuff that I sent over to him. I mean, I would assume, me being, I'm 33 now, but, you know, at that time I was, I guess, about 24 or something around there. You know, so about 10 years ago, if that was me in a position, if someone was reaching out like that to me, I would be very impressed as well. Because mm. a lot of guys aren't doing it. And I told a lot of guys to do it. Guys that played at big D1s, they had played in the NFL before and was trying to get back in. I was like, reach out to them yourself. I was like, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, if your agent is doing what he's supposed to be doing, it's fine. But if you feel like you have the talent, then you need to be able to take some kind of control of your own destiny. Right? Mm. At least get a no or, or something. And so anyway um, – yeah, I mean, that's that's like from my experience playing the league and like seeing so many players come in and 
like the one thing there, there's so many people that are talented, but the yeah. thing that separates people is showing up and the willingness to learn and continuing to figure out how to become better, how to fit in. And exactly. I've, I know so many stories of people that were on the way out and there was something that clicked and they showed up and they just showed that they're willing to learn and then handling failure. Like if you get beat, if you go out there and you don't get beat the same way again, but you maybe get yeah. beat a different way and you're continuing to learn. I mean, that's the biggest asset that anybody could have, especially in athletics. Exactly. And I, and I feel like that in this day and age is worse. What I mean by that is you had some guys that would, you know, do stuff on social media and they get shots. Honestly, that's a very low percentage, not even 1%. We're talking about 0.00, whatever percent. But I think so many people are wanting to impress everyone except for the decision makers. And that doesn't get you the eyes that you need. What I mean mm. by that is, you know, you can put stuff up and family and friends and others can be impressed by it and say, hey, there's no reason you shouldn't be in the league and blah, blah, blah. But they aren't the decision makers. You know what I mean? And so for me, everything was about getting to the decision makers. And so that's what I was doing. I wasn't focused on anyone else. I don't care who else seen me work out or anything else. It's like I need to get to the decision makers because these are the people who's going to get me, you know, the opportunities and get paid, et cetera. And so the the Jets. Then the, the Jaguars called me 30, 45 minutes later. I talked to uh, pro player personnel and then the other player personnel, both of them. They did their workouts different than everybody else. They brought in a group of guys like in October and worked them all out. And then the Jag, uh, the Jets, uh, the player personnel, um, this was before a training camp. And he was like, I want to put you on a short list. He's like, but I want to, I want to see something as well. So he actually told me, he said, I want you to film yourself running a 40 and doing these things I want you to do. And so I did it. Like the, 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 the next day I went and did it. So I went and ran a 40 on film and ran like a four or four, did some other drills, DB drills. He liked what he's seen. Um, and he was like, I'm going to put you on a short list. I messed up with that because I put that in my agent's hand. My agent supposedly mm. actually knew him as well. And he never followed up with him, never stayed in touch with him. And so I didn't get a camp with that. So anyways, I had the, the workout with the Jaguars. Um, that I spoke to them like probably seven times before I even went in. The exciting part was about it, about it was like, people say dream come true or like a perfect way. This was so, I'm, I have a huge imagination. Mind you, I'm the guy that thought about I can get 16 plus picks in a, in, in a football season. This was so like past my imagination that it was, it was, it wasn't hard to believe, but it was just crazy. What I mean by that is I'm coming in October. I wasn't going to have to go to training camp. I wasn't have to go, going to go through all these cuts. Every time I talked to them, it was like, come in ready to play, come in and shape, be prepared, like to be suited up and play on Sundays. And I'm like, this is crazy. And so, um, they flew me in. I come in. I go through the same things that I have to go through anytime I have a workout. I get to the workout and completely blew it. Oh, and it was like you talk about a lot of people know you. See a lot of people are like, oh, you have a dream come true. You blow your dream, right? The the M and M Slim Shady. You only get one shot thing. Like I lived that and blew it. And the reason I blew it wasn't because like I was nervous or anything. I messed up because I started looking at guys that were already there. And I was like, well, I'm going to do the workouts they do because they're already there. 
but that didn't work for me. Like I tried mm. to go change up and do these things. I, that didn't work for me. Realistically, all I need to do with all is what I always did. I needed to work, run on the track and do defensive back drills mm. and lift weights. That was my strength, but I tried to switch it up and do other things and it didn't work for me. And so that, that, that was the, you know, the preparation part, lack of proper preparation, not necessarily lack of preparation because I was working and trying to be prepared, but lack of proper preparation and really sticking to um, what works for me. And so when you say you blew it, what, what, what exactly happened? Like take us through you there. How long were you there for? You were there in October. Season's already rolling. Yeah. They bring you in. What happens? So they, I think it's October 8th or 12th. I forget when it was, but um, it was like a typical workout. Someone flies you in for when it comes to, to like NFL, typically with like other teams is like every Tuesday or something, but they yeah. brought in a group of us in and really all I needed to do was run fast, which I've been doing all my life. Right. Um, but the preparation before that, all I was doing was just like running forties. I wasn't focusing on DB drills. I wasn't like doing the things that really put me in that exact same position. And so I was like overtraining in a way that I didn't typically train. And it made me like, I didn't strain my hamstring, but I messed my hamstring up. And like the preparation part, I completely blew it. But it was just because I didn't do what I knew worked for me. Right. I got mm -hmm. this massive opportunity instead of doing what got me in this exact same position, I switched it up and I shouldn't have, I, I, I shouldn't have done that. I don't care what anybody says for me, that's a regret I have in life. I know you say mm -hmm. you live life without regrets and I don't, but that's a regret. Meaning if I could go back and change that, I would, there's something else. I mean, I, I could have kept that same mindset that I have right now, but if I could change that, I would definitely change that. But that was just like one of those opportunities in life that was like, I'll say it was like, for me, it was a once in a lifetime kind of thing. Yeah. I have a very similar journey when I was in the league at my first two or three years, I was trying to, I was almost waiting for the opportunity. I was trying to do what the coaches wanted of me. Um, you know, and I just kind of listened to all the people outside myself and I didn't focus on what I needed to do for myself to be successful. And it wasn't until my, after my third year, I almost got cut and I realized I was sitting in front of the the head coach and the GM, they're literally about to release me. And I was just filled with so much regret in that moment because I knew I wasn't doing what I needed to do. Yeah. And I was going to be on the streets and none of these people that I was waiting for or doing what they wanted me to do would care. Yeah. And I would be out on the street and I realized I need to do what I need to do to be where I, and like that way, when the time comes, when I'm finally done playing, it's not because somebody else told me I wasn't good enough. It's because I wasn't good enough because I knew I gave it everything I possibly could yeah. for myself and the way I knew how to do it. That's a powerful lesson. So you were there for a week, a, a day. You, you kind of ran yeah. this 40. Your hamstring was messed up, so you couldn't run full speed. And then they just... How'd you process that? They let you go. I was there for 48 hours, and I was gone. And they came in, and you say he's, he was just straight up. Didn't run a full four. Yeah. And I was just like, God. and so it was a long plane ride back home. Um, and you put all that energy and all that effort, you finally get your foot in the doors, which really all you wanted. And then you blow it. Like how, how did you process? What were the following weeks, months like dealing with that? Honestly, I think I, I'm going to say, I think I didn't realize it at the moment. Um, I did later after I got done with football, but 
I was still working out and I still had opportunities. I went in, I went and played in arenas, football, went to New Orleans. Um, but really I kind of gave up at that point. If I'm being honest with myself, there I could have worked and there would have been another there could have possibly been another opportunity like that. But um it'd been very, very difficult to get another opportunity like that, like just like that. You know, I could have yeah. still got some other shots and I still was reaching out to NFL teams. Um, and still getting some word and stuff. It was never my goal. When, I, when I'm a goal-oriented person, and I honestly kind of put myself on a timeline. I kind of put myself at like this five-year mark because um, I was like, I'm not going to keep going after something. And yeah, I could get a chance and, sh- and, and shot. But for me, I need to put myself on a time frame and put everything I have within that time frame. That doesn't fit for everybody, but it fits for me. So I was like, I, I got to give this football thing, you know, five, no more than six years. And the opportunities I get, I have to cease them. If I blow some, I just got to keep going. And I did keep going. And I had some other opportunities. Um, I won't say I necessarily blew any other opportunities. You know, I had opportunities. I went to New Orleans and played on an arena team. Um, I, I went in and, and got on the team, like, during season and took another guy's spot, you know, but it was or, or another DB that was there on the roster. And so I had other opportunities. But at that point, you know, it's even more difficult to kind of get back in that position. It was mm-hmm. really difficult mentally because I knew, you know, a lot of people would look at it like, oh, like you had that opportunity as many more to come and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, yeah, that's true. But the NFL doesn't always work like that. You got to understand it's hundreds of thousands of guys and there's only what, 1,500 total mm. on every team, players in terms like that in the NFL. Um, and so, like I said, it, it's another opportunity that could have came, but um, I had myself on a time frame. And I was like, I got to give everything I can on this time frame. And so when the time frame ran out, I was like, I'm going to move on. What was that? Let's talk about that moving on. So you finally come up to the, the point in the moment you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm done playing football. Yeah. Was that moment, the, it seems like after you kind of, you know, blew, blew your shot and you, after that, it was kind of mentally, you were a little bit out of it. But so was it a slow process or was it a moment was like, okay, I'm done. And wh- how did you handle that moment? And how did you find, find yourself? I know like a lot of guys struggle with their identity and who they are without this thing that they've been pursuing greatness. It gives us purpose, right? Like yeah. continuing, even if you're not making it, you have something to work towards. You're like, I want to get another chance. So how did you find fulfillment and purpose and identity outside of football? What was that journey like? Um, it was, that part was difficult. While I moved on very quick, the mental part was like, this sounds weird unless you're, you're an athlete and, and, and went to like a pro level, but it was just like, all right, like, who am I in society? It sounds weird, but it was like, well, like who am I? Like, I can get a job, I can work, and I can be an entrepreneur, but at this point, like, who am I? What's my identity? Because I'm identified by being an athlete. Like, this is what allows me to be the exact, like, authentic person that I am, you know, because you're surrounded by so many different personalities, and people are who they are. And I kind of felt like there's no other place that that I'm going to be able to be this same guy right? Be this same person. This is outside of crowds and the adrenaline from playing, et cetera. We're talking about just like general, like 
being amongst other players and having, you know, realistically, when you're playing pro, you, you really have a lot of, you got a lot of time on your hands. And unless you apply that to like studying film and doing other stuff. Outside of having meetings and stuff all the time, you still have time on your hands. So I was just like, who am I outside of a coach telling me what to do or giving me like, you know, uh, an itinerary of how my day shit going ways. Um, so that, that was a mental part that honestly is kind of still lingers a little bit. Um, but I transitioned into the tech part very quick because when I was in New Orleans, New Orleans, my roommate, still really good friends of mine, a friend of mine is Antonio Brown. He won, uh, he was with the Packers when they won the Super Bowl, uh, whenever that was, but, um, I was helping out. We had a nonprofit, had an extremely great story, um, the way he got to the NFL, his life and everything. And so I was helping him. I built him a website. Um, I helped him with like marketing and stuff like that. And so I enjoyed it. And so I like dove into it then again, I'm one of those people that's just like, once I got my mind set on something, I just go, um, I'll figure it out as I go. It's a good thing. Sometimes it can be a bad, but it turns out for the best. And so, um, I started doing that and that's when I got into websites and stuff. And what's funny and what's ironic is that everything I did to get my opportunity in NFL and didn't even play pro when it comes to football, I did with business. I went to the local chamber of commerce online. I looked it up. I wrote down like all of the local businesses. I looked in their website. I tried to find out who the decision maker was. Um, if I could build them a better website, I cold called them. I emailed them, told them like pointers, things that I could do. Hey, like get in touch with the owner, blah, blah, blah. And I was booking meetings and creating like these mock-ups. I go to them, right? way before COVID was even heard of here, I would go in there to the office, present them something. And that's how I was closing projects, closing deals, literally the exact things that I, I was doing email marketing and cold calls and being basically being like a marketer uh, when I was playing football, not even realizing it. And so when I transitioned to, you know, really just running a business outside of whatever industry it is, running a business, I was doing the exact same thing. The very first client that I got, I got because I was sitting in traffic. He had a pest control company. He had like this fully body wrap on his truck, which really looked like really neat. I looked at his website. It was terrible. And I'm like, his website doesn't match how nice this truck looks. So I called him. He's a wizard red light. He was in front of me. I got his number off the back of the truck, called him up in traffic. And I was like, hey, he was like, yeah, this is the owner. And, um, I just told him, I was like, I was, I was actually right behind you in traffic. And I said, I looked up your website and I said, I'm a, I'm a local web designer here in the area. And I said, um, I said, don't take any offense. I said, but your website doesn't match your truck. I said, this is a hell of a nice truck you got. Right. I wanted to give him a compliment on his truck since I kind of knocked off his website. <laughs> yeah, and he started yeah. laughing. He was like, yeah. And he was like, well, he was like, well, you know, what are you doing? Blah, blah. And I told him and booked a meeting with him, presented him like a, a, a mock-up if I can do something better than what he had. And I closed on that project then. And, you know, fast forward from then, which is in 2015 till now in 2020, you know, I went from building these small brick and mortar um, family owned websites to doing more small business to, um, a lot of corporate to now, you know, we're in a position now to where we, um, 
I'm a creative. And so I like to look at problems and identify them and create, you know, these apps and websites to create solutions to it. And so mm. I mean, my journey from sports, really, I took everything that I did and it literally transitioned over to business. And I, I, one thing I will say that made it click was that I was struggling with it at first. And I think this part had to do with identity. And I think that as an athlete, you shouldn't lose that identity and you shouldn't feel like you have to leave it separate. Mm. But I think uh, my, my mentor, I was really struggling with just like getting down business and how these things work and how to connect with people. And he told me, he said, when you wanted to, he said, when you first had the idea of wanting to be in the NFL and play pro, he's like, what did you do? I said, I had a, a, a guy that I grew up with, just like a family member. And I was like, he was like five, six years older than me, I said, but he played in the NFL. So I called him up and, and talked to him. And he was like, do the same thing. And I was like, I don't know anybody in business like that, especially in the tech world. And he was like, Google, find someone, call them up, tell them you like to hear their story. You like to take them a coffee or lunch. And I did that exact same thing. And because I did that, that literally took my business like that. I, I know to Grant, uh, Grant Cardone uses it all the time, but that 10 X my business because I randomly called a guy. It's funny. I, I looked him up online. I looked up agencies online. I called him up and I kind of act like I was a potential client at first. And then I said, Hey, I said, Hey man, I'm be honest with you. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a local web designer, freelance. I said, but I want an actual company and staff. And I was like, I see you with the position you're in. And I said, I just want to hear your story. I didn't ask him for advice. I didn't ask for anything. I was like, I just want to hear your story. And I was like, are you open to like coffee or lunch? And so we went and had lunch and dude even paid for my lunch. But it's crazy. We sat there for like two hours and I asked him, I said, why'd you help me so much? And he said, I was you. He said, I did the exact same thing. And I reached out to someone who was uncomfortable with it, but reached out to someone and just asked to hear their story. And they helped me just like I helped you. And he was mm-hmm. like, the least that I can do is just like pay it forward. And yeah. so, so many people want to want to help others, right? People that have been in the position and know there's, they exactly. are so willing to give their time, share their story and help out someone who's eager to learn. And I think that's the big thing as athletes that we struggle with is, especially if you play a while in the pros or you've been, it's been your dream and focus for so long it's, yeah. and you've gotten so good at it, right? Like yeah. we were experts in football. Like not very many people knew the game as much as we did. And then all of a sudden we have to kind of check our egos a little bit and, and kind of start from scratch almost. And it's like, I have to learn again. Exactly. And we want to feel like, oh, we're experts. We, we kind of know this thing, but you have to be able to kind of take yourself down a notch and continue to have that eagerness to learn and open-mindedness to yep. absorb information from people that have done it and have gone where you want to go. And it's uncomfortable mm. because, you know, you have to you have to humble yourself. I mean, I'm reaching out to a guy. Yeah. I don't know anything about this industry, but honestly, I'm, I just told him like, I'm trying to be where you're at. And I had, I had, I had to let those words out. Like I'm trying to be where you're at. Like I'm down here. You're up there right now. I want to be where you're at. Right. And, but it was more like, I want to hear your story. I didn't, like I said, I didn't ask him, can you tell me how to do this? Can you tell me how to do this? Because honestly, I didn't even know what I needed to know. So that's why yeah. I was just like, I want to hear your story, right? Like, how did you get to this position? I mean, this guy had an incredible story. He was 
sexually molested by his dad when he was younger. He was on hardcore drugs. We're talking about heroin. He was basically on his deathbed. He like transformed his life spiritually, gave his life to Christ. And he didn't know anything about uh, tech either. And he was like, he got into it. And then he kind of like, uh, same thing I did, reached out to someone and they helped him and they helped propel his business and he continued to grow it. You know what I mean? But that's the power of like, even though I never went through anything, nothing close to being similar to that, it was still like, damn, like our stories are completely different, but we still kind of came into this thing in a very unorthodox way. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if, if you can do it going through all of that stuff that he shared, then like exactly. what excuse do I have? Right. If someone has done it before you, and you learn from them, then it gives you like, oh, then what's my excuse, right? It's really all about showing up. Just like you said, like your earlier story, like people telling you no, nobody's even interested in you. And you just kept putting in the effort, giving yourself an opportunity. I mean, that's really what it takes. It's more than just showing up and knowing. It's about learning, humbling yourself and trying to become what you want to become and having that vision for yourself. Exactly. And I I always feel that to get to that, you know, those levels that you really want to, you have to humble yourself. You have to, because even if we get to the very top, right, you still have to keep that same mindset of continuing to want to learn, understanding. Mm, beginner's you, mind. Yeah, you, you can't. That happens to a lot of people. Of course, it happens. To you. People see it happen to athletes a lot because majority of the time they're going to be in a spotlight in some kind of way. So it's easier to see it there. But even in, 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 in business, it happens a lot. Even with all of the pandemic stuff, right? It happens. So many people have to pivot. So many people, it doesn't matter how much money you was or was not making. I know some people that were making millions and literally got shut down 100%. If their inability to, to pivot and have an open mind to figuring out how to figure it out. Exactly. They're going to be lost. Yeah. And, and that, that's one of those things that, you know, even if you do, even if you are, you know, you have humility, you are humble. Those are things that come across and it, I won't say it humbles you more. It just changes your mindset and make you understand maybe I need to change up my business in some kind of way to where if something like this happens again, I'm not affected as much. Right. And I know Mm -hmm. some people that literally went from millions to nothing and had to shut down everything and get rid of all of their staff. And I know some people that literally started a business and making like 30 million now. Mm. All within the pandemic time frame. We talk about oh, six, seven yeah. months. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Um, there's things that happen and, and, and rather like coming from a speaking specifically to my athletes or anyone that's going from you know athlete to business, but specifically to my athletes that get that's going into business world, take your same mindset. But you may have to grab that mindset from different places. I have to grab that freshman year of college. Griggs mindset at times and apply it to certain things. I have to grab that, you know, reaching out to every NFL team mindset at times and, and apply it. Right. I always keep in mind about the fact that you need to stick with work works for you mindset. So I don't blow, you know, another massive, op- blow massive opportunities. You can get it. And that's the difference between sports and business. Like with business, I can blow something, but I have a very high percentage of getting another opportunity that I can, you know, that can come in with sport, like pro specifically, that window is extremely small. You know what I mean? So, 
Um, I take that same mindset with me with, with, with business and I don't lose it. You know, my mentor told me, he told me that time and it always stuck with me. Running a business and doing business is no different than what you did in sports. Your work ethic, your, um, your drive, all of that stuff is literally no different. Apply the mm. exact same mindset and method and you'll be all right. Beautiful. Beautiful, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. We're coming up uh, towards the end. I want to give you an opportunity to kind of plug yourself and uh, share where people can find you and, and what you're working on now. I know you shared about it a little bit early on, but where can people find you? Yeah, most definitely. To, to, to find out a lot about me and especially things I have going on right now, go to danielogriggs.com. Um, that's why I have all my, all my stuff. Again, my agency, ATX The Brand and ATX Web Designs, um, we build out a lot of different apps and, and website concepts and push them into the market that impact communities or are very um, disruptive to certain industries. But you go to danielogriggs.com, you can find me there and all my social media links and everything else is on there as well. Awesome. And that'll be all in the show notes. You guys check that out. And I really appreciate you taking the time, Daniel, man. It was really great. Most definitely. I definitely appreciate it. Thanks for letting me tell my story today. All right. Huge shout out to Daniel for coming on the show and sharing his story in such an open, honest and vulnerable way. I hope you guys uh, got a lot out of that. I know I did. Um, and I'll just take a little second to plug the community I'm building. Uh, if you are a former male professional athlete who is looking for support for a community for like-minded guys who are focused on achieving success after sports, then check out the heart collective. It's an exclusive community built just for former male professional athletes so that we can support each other. One thing that I've found leaving the NFL after eight seasons is that it's a very isolating journey. And I realize there's no real community of brotherhood um, for support. And, you know, the one thing when you're in a locker room and receiving coaching your entire life, and then all of a sudden you walk away, it's over and you no longer have that. It can be very debilitating. And so I found a need to create a community to support guys like you, guys like me, and we're all in this together. And it's definitely not a self-help community. It is a group of guys that are focused on reaching their highest potential outside of sports and channeling the energy they put into achieving success on the field, you know, in the, in the arena, um, on the baseball diamond, whatever sport you played, um, really learning to channel that energy into yourself and reaching your highest potential, not only physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as well. And doing it with a group of guys that are focused on achieving the same thing, collaborating, creating together, and connecting. It's a really been a beautiful journey. Um, we launched a couple months ago and we're going strong and we're just looking to grow the community with the right kind of guys who are looking for that kind of connection. If you're interested, go to the heartcollective.com. That's the H A R T collective.com and fill out an application. I look forward to hearing from you. Peace.